one is a show about Bigfoot. It's recorded for the skeptics, the believers, the knowers, the hopers, and those who just have a casual interest in the subject. For more information, visit our Facebook page. This is Sasswood, a show about Bigfoot. I am one of your hosts, Mark Matsky, and today I'm joined by my son, Andy Matsky. Hello there. Hello there. How's it going? Great. What's going on? Um, I'm a little tired um, because today we did something very new and sort of unrelated to Bigfoot. We quote-unquote golfed in British Columbia, and the quote-unquote part was we did it on a golf simulator, which was pretty cool and wacky all this electronics and you swung and i was terrified to hit it and it was all good yeah once you kind of loosened up yeah and realized you wouldn't injure anyone or destroy the machine by really swinging at it you started doing really well and i think we both agreed that we were both looking for sasquatch somewhere in the background as like an easter Mm -hmm. egg by maybe one of these golf developers but it didn't really materialize in that way where did we play play oh uh whistler something whistler yeah chateau whistler yeah chateau whistler bigfoot is the whistler (laughs) yes makes the whistle noises we know he does that we'd like to say hello to those who are listening on 97.1 fm in wadsworth ohio wadsworth community radio thanks for your support of the show We do have, to start off tonight, a Sasswit News Desk story. So we're going to do something a little bit different, and we're going to actually play the story off of WDAY, and then we'll make a few comments on it. Um, Here we go. The latest Bigfoot sighting is right here on the North Dakota Prairie. Some in Ellendale believe Sasquatch took a walk through rural Dickey County this Christmas. WDAY 6 reporter Catherine Ross tells us how one man tracked the animal and the evidence he says can't be made up. It's the kind of folklore you see in grainy photos and hear in campfire stories. It's a Bigfoot. Sasquatch. Gigantopithecus, whatever you want to call him. But what about rural North Dakota? He's a real animal. He's here. I want people to know. Christopher Bauer is an experienced trapper near Ellendale. Picked up the trail down that way. about. But a about Christmas Day track is more extraordinary than the outdoorsman right has the ever seen. And then crossed the highway here and then made his way to the... Uh, to the hills out there, I think. Bauer started on the trail after a family friend spotted something alarming through her kitchen window. She described him as a large, hairy, ugly monster. And I guess that kind of describes if a Sasquatch is looking you in the looking through the window at you. That monster left miles of tracks. 18 by 8 inch footprints like this. He has a 4 foot stride. And when he hits... He makes a very deep, large impression. Bauer says he tracked hundreds of footprints for more than seven miles here. That's when he says Bigfoot disappeared into the hills. Two places where he kicked up the snow and reached down and picked up either a a mouse or a vole or something like that. Bauer knows many people won't believe what he found, but he says the tracks are too perfect to be a hoax. He hopes someone will get video evidence of the mysterious creature, but he also hopes to find that proof without any harm coming to Bigfoot. The truth is out there. It's there. I I know he is. I tracked him. Reporting in Dickey County, Catherine Ross, WDAY 6 News. Bauer sent his photos to a Bigfoot expert at the University of Idaho. That professor says the prints look promising. The Dickey County Sheriff says he's not investigating the Sasquatch case and can't confirm whether the creature exists. (laughs) Okay. Okay, we don't know this last part, not to interject a lot, but it's like a art project photo of Bigfoot. (laughs) And it's kind of... Well, I'll be honest, his butt is shown in detail. (laughs) It's not like the whole thing is, but 
right there for the world to see and Harry and the Henderson's footage, but the case is very interesting. Um, the whole idea of the guy tracking Bigfoot is always something like, why don't we have people tracking these things? And it's kind of a true account of someone doing that, uh, but it's very interesting to me. It's how this guy could track this legendary creature, quote-unquote. But I agree that I, I will say that it makes sense if they are something real, that they would be tracked. Eas- well, not easily, but they would be tracked. And it seems like if you're an experienced trapper, you'd be a semi-experienced tracker. So, You talk to a number of people, and footprints seem to be the number one evidence that people go to. Uh, it certainly is the most uh, tangible piece of quote-unquote, evidence that I think we have to go with. We are really excited today to have with us a past Sasquatch guest. I believe, I went back today and checked, and it was episode 43 where Dr. David Floyd made his first appearance with us, and we're just really excited to have him back and to hear about what's going on with him and into the new year. So we welcome back uh, Dr. David Floyd. Good to be with you guys. How's it going with you? What's going on these days? Well, it's been a busy time. I think the the last time I spoke to you guys, it was maybe, as far as on the show, I think it was last March. And um, let's see. Um, after I spoke to you in March, I believe I went to the Virginia Bigfoot Conference and spoke there. That was in August. And um, had a really good time there. That was a great a conference, which I guess you'll probably want to talk about in a moment. Sure. Um, and after that, I, I just had so much other stuff going on um, that I, I didn't really do much research as far as Bigfoot stuff goes. Um, I was invited to be a keynote speaker at um, Portsmouth University in England in November, um, and so I spent all of really the fall semester working on that, my presentation for that. It was basically like an hour-long presentation of my, my book. And, uh, which is about orphans in Victorian and Edwardian culture and literature. And so I, I really spent a lot of time on that. And uh, then when Christmas break came along, um, I was, I've, I've sort of got three, I guess, categories of research that I do. Um, one that you would probably expect, you know, is my day job of doing Victorian literature and culture and, and that type of thing. Uh, the other is psychology and working in that, not working in it, but studying it. And um, so I was working on three different papers during the Christmas break um, having to do with psychology. And then once the spring semester started uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was able to kind of get back into the whole Bigfoot thing. And um, I had, in the previous semester, uh, one of of my uh, composition class papers had to be on either Bigfoot or some kind of cryptid, UFOs or something paranormal. And so they were, they could pick whichever one they wanted, but it had to kind of be within that sort of 14 um, category. And I think they enjoyed it because it was something really different. It wasn't so serious, you know, and, and um, typically in those classes you study or write about things like politics or religion or just these really uh, touchy subject right so i think they they enjoyed it and i enjoyed grading the papers because i got to read <laughs> you know about all these sources and all that i might not have heard of before and so i, I brought that into my uh, some of my classes this semester um mostly for me just because it's a lot of fun but right. the the recent stuff is as i've talked about before um i'm really interested in the idea of bigfoot type creatures in folklore and legend and all throughout history and um during, uh, I think it was during Christmas break, I watched Troll Hunter. Oh. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it's a Swedish movie, uh, sort of a found footage film. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, we saw that. What was that on Amazon yeah. Prime or Netflix? Yeah, Netflix, I think. Oh, you have to, Okay. We love and that I really movie. It. Yeah. It, it made me think. I wonder, you know, it started making me think about stuff like trolls and ogres and goblins and werewolves and these type of things and these other vaguely humanoid type creatures.
preachers and and all. And I, I, so kind of the direction I'm going in these days is sort of to investigate those um, or research those and to kind of see if there's any correlation between those creatures and Bigfoot and just sort of see what are some commonalities maybe. Um, so, so we'll see where that goes. That's the, sort of my trajectory right now. Cool. Any early findings in that regard that are have stood out, or is it too early to say? Well, one thing that, that struck me um, initially, and this is really in its infancy, but, um, you know, the, the thing about maybe the werewolf, you know, you might think of the dog man or, or whatever, but um, the werewolf is sort of different from all these other ones that I mentioned because typically you become a werewolf because you're being punished or you've been cursed and you were previously human. And so there's a different aspect to it as opposed to Bigfoot. You know, you're, you're born a Sasquatch and that's what you are. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you're an ogre and that's it. Um, but, or a troll or whatever. But with a werewolf, there's that, that um, sort of human component of, of being wholly human at one point and kind of vacillating between those two identities that, that I think is really interesting. Um, since there is such a, a sort of argument about Bigfoot having a, a sort of human component and a you know, more of an animal component, uh, that sort of tenuous balance with characters is interesting to me. So, but And then it's, I, I haven't really gotten much into um, all of that yet, but just, you know, initially I think it's, it's interesting that these creatures, whether it's trolls or whatever, or, you know, they inhabit the forest, they tend to resemble the geographic space that they're from, um, you know, so there seem to be different species of them and that type of thing. And that, that sort of correlation, I think, be- between where they're from and what they look like and all that, that kind of thing is interesting to me. Just like we have so many different evident species of, of Bigfoot, whether it's, whether it's Yeti or, you know, Obas or whatever, um, that tend to, to look different depending on where they're from. So, um, that's, uh, that's really as far as I've gotten with it so far. But I, I think it, initially uh, that that idea of sort of the human humanity or the, the human component of these creatures or the, the similarity to being human, uh, even for those that are that are not human at all, uh, that's that's interesting to me. And, and now that I'm talking it out, um, it's that's sort of a theme in some of the fiction that I that I specialize in in some of the Gothic, like Victorian Gothic fiction, one of the sort of tropes that you find in that literature is these sort of unstable identities of people that become creatures and then come back, you know, like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, that's mm-hmm. that period. Um, it's somebody like Dracula that's human, but he can change into, you know, a bat or a dog, or, you know, he can become younger and that type of thing. And that, that whole sort of fluid identity is very much in the the kind of literature that I study and teach. Hmm. Um, so um, I'm just now, like I said, as I'm verbalizing that, I'm sort of realizing that connection. So who knows, maybe I can bring all that sort of together in an articulate way in a paper or a book or something at some point. Sure. And usually it it's sort of this line of presentation that you're being asked to make at conferences and things like that, right? I mean, because you're not necessarily coming at it from a, I've been out in the woods every weekend for the last five years. That's no, not no, really no, your perspective, I'm, is it? I'm very much an armchair bigfooter, and I'm, I'll, <laughs> I'll be glad to admit that. You know, although I have woods right behind my house, but uh, we, <laughs> you know, we, we just kind of wander around in there, but we're not really looking for anything. Sure. Um, but but no, and I, you know, there's a part of me that thinks that would be a fascinating way to go about it, but that's mine is um, more of a sort of literary and cultural, historical, and maybe even psychological take on, on things. Sure. When I, re- I remember when you presented at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, and can you tell us what the reaction was like to that? Because from my perspective, it seemed like people were really sort of surprised and amazed by the, the type of information that you brought. Because, you know, number one, it was so different from what they're used to. And number two, it, it corroborated the fact that there's a historical precedent for these sort of stories? I think, well, yeah, the, so the first part of my answer is yes. That was I, The reactions I got were really positive because it was, I, I, I wanted it to be a sort of synthesis of all this information from different sources um, having to do with legends and 
and, and that type of thing. So my take was less of a scientific approach than maybe people were used to hearing of people who, you know, are looking for empirical evidence out in the field and that type of thing. So I, they, you know, and I, you never really know when you go to a conference who you're speaking, whom you're speaking to. So I didn't know until I was done. Yeah, and I started having people come up to me saying that was really interesting. I never thought about that, or there is a correlation or a, a consistency in these things, you know. And so that's, that, that was gratifying. Um, and then the um, I forgot what the second part was, but I would just, just I think the um, the reaction of people was was one of surprise, but it was pleasant surprise, good. <laughs> pleasantly surprised. Um, and so, and then when I spoke at the Virginia Virginia Bigfoot conference, um, it was really much more of a nuanced version of that presentation um, in that it, the, the one at Ohio was a really broad sort of swath of, of history and, and sort of just trying to describe what a monster is and how they how to define these things on it. It kind of went in several different directions, but I, I think once I, I got to um, Virginia, it was much more nuanced and, and kind of organized and together. And so, um, and then I'm getting ahead of myself a little, but in um, September I'll be speaking at the International Bigfoot Association, or uh, conference rather. And what I want to do is try to bring in that component of there being a biological source for this, that every folklore, every legend, every piece of folklore that, that ever was has some kind of kernel or something, you know, some genesis in it. And for this, type of figure to appear in just any culture that you can possibly think of, um, to me, that there's a good argument that there's a biological reason for that, that there's an actual creature looking back at you in the forest um, that's, that seems to be ubiquitous, you know, in Western or Eastern culture. So. But um, anyhow, that, to uh, sort of answer your question, yes, I, I think the reaction was, was positive. Along with that, what has been your overall experience at Bigfoot conferences? And, and of course, not just the presentation I'm talking about, but um, just sort of the overall culture of "quote unquote" Bigfoot studies. What's your right. What's your take on that? Well, the um, so I tend to go to lots of conferences. Um, the, a lot of them are literary conferences and that type of thing. So. Really, everybody you meet there is in, in that field. They teach, or they, you know, they're working. They're in graduate school and working toward that, and and they're, you know, all these different sort of literary critical approaches and all that. But everybody's really kind of on the same page, just you know, and that type of thing. Um, at the Bigfoot conferences, it's it's really interesting because there's so there's such a difference um, in where people come from and what they're interested in and this type of thing. And you just have uh, this really broad group of people. Um, but the, the really striking thing to me is, you know, I went to Ohio, um, you know, I knew to look for you and Seth because I had spoken to you guys before, but I didn't really know anybody else, you know, and so I was able to meet you guys in person, which was great. And I met Shannon Legro in person and, uh, a couple of other people, you know, that I had heard of or seen on television or heard a podcast or whatever. And so to, to see these people in, in person was, was great. And, you know, I, I went there initially to think, well, I'm just going to learn more about this phenomenon. And it should be an interesting sociological experiment or whatever. And I walked away with some of the, knowing some of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. And so that's one of the really, that's one of the strongest components of I think going to these Bigfoot conferences in, in particular, and encrypted kind of stuff too, is there's such a genuineness about uh, from the people that you meet. Um, and of course, there's some flakes and weirdos <laughs> in any any group of human beings that you yes. ever have. Correct. You know, but but the majority of people that I've met have just been so genuine and, and kind and and all that. And I'd, I've walked away from these experiences with new friends, um, as well as you know just some new information. And so that's that's really nice. Um, when I went to Virginia, um, I, that was run by uh, Billy Wheeler and his wife Janine, and um, Bruce, I think it's Walstead, um, does the Creature Weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I cannot say enough about the Willards and, and Bruce, but uh, Billy and his wife are just 
some of the best people I've ever met in my life. And uh, they were just great to me while I was there. And, you know, just to, to be able to meet um, these people is such a gift, I think. And, you know, it's just one of these things of if you, you know, I feel like it's a blessing when you find something you're interested in and you have these avenues like a conference or to teach or, or do a podcast or whatever. It could just kind of reach out to other people that are like-minded and you end up with these relationships. And it's not just an exchange of information or, or, um, or knowledge. It's, you know, it's building these relationships. And that's, that's what I love about the, the conference world, whether it's literary or Bigfoot or cryptid or, or whatever, but to, that to get all those people in one room to share ideas and that type of thing and, and very often walk away with, with new friends. You know, when I went to, um, like I said, I spoke at uh, Portsmouth University in England in November, and there was actually a um, graduate student from Charleston who had gotten a paper accepted at that conference. And so it was neat because, you know, you have somebody that lives in the town where I live, but we had never met each other until we go to England. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, just the, like I said, just some of the relationships that you build in these, these things are, are great, you know. Is there a lot of, of stuff going on in Virginia, Bigfoot-wise? I mean, is there active reports and so forth? Because that's not a, an area I'm familiar with uh, as far as Bigfoot, you know, phenomena coming out of there. Uh, evidently, I know that uh, Billy at one time had a, um, I, I can't remember what, it, what it, the name of it is, but, you know, like a, big, like a Virginia research group, and I, I apologize, I can't remember what the group was, Um but evidently, they would uh, research reports on a pretty consistent basis. Hmm. So, and I actually saw a map the other day of Bigfoot hotspots, and um, most of them were, you know, around like Ohio and Virginia, and even there was a good bit in South Carolina, which I was kind of surprised. Uh, it's too hot here for all that fur. <laughs> but, uh, that, that that concentration is in that sort of eastern, you know, northern eastern area. Uh, so. That's but, cool. Um, so overall, like size, just in terms of pure size, is the Virginia Conference smaller, bigger than other conferences was, you've been to? It was a good bit smaller. Um, I'd say maybe a third smaller. Well, maybe not. Maybe half. Um, but this was the first one they ever had. And uh, just recently they came, uh, the, the website was switched over to announce the, um, the second one, second annual one. But Billy is not doing this one, I don't think. I think he was uh, his the the first Virginia Bigfoot conference was sort of his uh, last hurrah in the Bigfoot world. I think he wanted to kind of retire from it and focus on some other stuff. Um, but he, I think he passed the mantle on to, to some other people, and they they are going to have a second annual one. But there was um, maybe half or a, a, something like that as many people. Um, but just a great it was a great conference. Um, like I said, I can't say enough good about Billy and his, his wife, Janine, and uh, Bruce was great. He's hilarious. Um, but we had um, some of the other speakers were there were just great. There was um, Russell Easterbrooks, uh, the guy who's uh, he's sort of a jack-of-all-trades, if you read his bio. On the, and he's going to actually speak at the second annual one also. Uh, but his bio is already up there with the uh, speaker announcements. But... He's just sort of this jack of all trades. He's a sports writer. Uh, he's an artist. He's a scientist, and just one of these people that you you can say any subject, and he knows about it. You know, hmm. and um, he did this really in depth uh, presentation on talking about Bigfoot's lower leg attachments and how the um, I think the trapezius would have to be set higher on the shoulders. And Russell, I apologize if I'm not articulating this correctly, <laughs> but it was very very well done, and he, he talked about the um, Bigfoot's eye composition and how, you know, it could see well at night, and that's like an owl's, he compared it to like an owl, the eye of an owl, um, just really interesting stuff. Um, then we had Joe um, Gisandi, um, who's the author of Monster Trek, and I know you've mentioned that book yes. before, and um, his, his take was really cool, because he's, and he, in, in his book, he talks about the personalities involved in the Bigfoot world, not just looking for Bigfoot or this empirical evidence or whatever. Um, but he's really interested in, in the personality. So he would actually go on um, 
and he, he basically talked about his book um, in the presentation, but, you know, he went on some um, trips with, like, Matt Moneymaker mm-hmm. and to see how that, how the BFRO works and that type of thing, and, you know, even gave equal voice to, you know, like, is it Tom Biscardi, Joe Biscardi, Tom Biscardi? Tom, yeah, um, that's right. You know, who's who has a name kind of attached to questionable things at times, but he wanted to give people equal voice, you know, and sure. it's really a, um, an investment. And what he does, he, uh, Joe teaches at Eastern Illinois University, he teaches um, investigative journalism and reporting and that sort of thing. And I've never seen anybody in my life that could hold forth on any any subject that anybody talked about with him. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. And you could tell as he was talking to people, it was interesting to watch him because you could tell he's used to interviewing people and he could draw information from anybody. And it yeah. was just fascinating to see from just a, a, a professor standpoint and just a pedagogical standpoint and just a, you know, fascinating um, his way with speaking with people. Um, really, and it really transfer translates into his writing as well. Um, so he really has this sort of interviews interviewers that not everybody has, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, then we had uh, Larry Batson, who is, uh, his nickname is The Animal Guy. Um, he actually has all these animals, like he, I, I think it's a baboon that lives with him and his wife, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, he had a tarantula and a python with him um, and stuff like that. <laughs> he had all these great stories about animals and stuff. And he does these demonstrations at schools and all. Um, really funny guy, um, really smart, and um, just really into the, the animals and all, just really knowledgeable. And uh, he talked about uh, these various sightings and, and all that. Evidently, uh, Bigfoot, there's at least one Bigfoot on his property. Um, he told the story of he and his wife. He and, his, <laughs> and his wife, his wife believes in Bigfoot, but she just doesn't really care about it, didn't he? Wow. But uh, she, he and his wife um, had had an argument, I think, and she got in the car and drove off. And um, when she came back, she got out of the car and she was like, well, I saw one of your friends there by the driveway. <laughs> there was evidently a Bigfoot standing there, and she was like, you know, get out of my way, man. And, uh, you know, it's just like something they just kind of take it for granted, you know, because it's there. Wow. Um, so that's pretty funny. Um, and then we had uh, Bill Dringinis. I believe I'm saying his name correctly. Um, he was really interesting. He's, um, I think his company, um, and if Bill's listening, if I get this wrong, I apologize, but he, I think they do security for, for different companies. And so he had all these gadgets, you know, like trail cams and, and all kinds of cameras and stuff. And he's actually done some work with, um, like, underwater surveillance uh, for like Loch Ness and places like that you know um, I don't know if Loch Ness specifically but like these these aquatic cryptids and um, and that type of thing and so that was really interesting uh, but one of the, the the two really things that stood out to me in, in his presentation one was that he said you know people always say you know everybody's got a phone with camera these days and there's, there's trail cams and satellite photos and all that kind of stuff and he was like that people's argument was that there's there's so much there's so many cameras out there that surely somebody would have caught a Bigfoot. But he had this pie chart and he actually showed that if you took all of the cameras that are filming nature at any given time in America, that it's only one percent of the forested hmm. area in the country that's actually being filmed. Hmm. And so there's ninety nine percent of wilderness that's not being photographed. And just that was a really interesting statistic to me because um, that's a lot of area <laughs> that is and, um, another thing he talked about his um, I think it's his first sighting that he had he and um, he was with two FBI agents and they were out uh, looking for Civil War relics and this um, they came up on a Bigfoot and he said they both looked at each other like what are you doing here kind of thing yeah <laughs> it was just this moment of exchange between them like <laughs> um, i'm sorry we're here and now we're going to get out of your way and it, it evidently ran uh, in front of them and he said it was so close to them that he could actually see the hair on its arm waving in the in the wind wow um, which was really that's that's pretty cool yeah um so and i also want to give a shout out to um to bill lancaster he's um has a filming company called Bilco Productions, and he actually filmed the presentations, and I believe he put them on 
YouTube. I know he sent them to us um, via Facebook, but I, I'm not sure if they're up on, on YouTube or not. But uh, but Bill um, was kind enough to film the presentations and all. And um, he's done, I know, at least one documentary previous to this um, about a comic book artist and sort of what it's like to to be this creative person. You know, what is it like to be a an artist and, and that type of thing. So um, I think that's pretty cool. But I wanted to give a shout to, to Bill there. That's cool. Um, but that was the different speakers that they had, and um, it was just a great, great venue. Great, it was at a place called uh, Hungry Mother State Park, <laughs> um, which was really a, a beautiful place. Um, it's really cool. So it was a great experience. Yeah, it sounds awesome. You know, at sort of a tangent off of one of the things you said that last report that you were talking about with the FBI and uh, so the close-up encounter. It just, as you were describing that, it occurred to me that it seems like an inordinate number of reports are filed by people who were not looking for Bigfoot at all. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. I mean, there's so many people out there looking, but it seems like the reports that really catch your attention and include details that have maybe never been described before, so often those are people who had no dog in the hunt, so to speak. Did you notice that in your own research? I, I think a lot of times, somebody made the, I was watching a documentary the other day, in fact, and somebody said, you don't find Bigfoot, Bigfoot hunt you. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people that intentionally go looking for him rarely do, but, you know, it's, it's you know, walking around a ridge and then running into one that, you know, is typically the case. Um, but that these, these things are, are so canny in their environment that, you know, we can't possibly try to sneak up on one unless we just happen to, mm-hmm. you know, like Bill evidently did. Um, so, yeah, that, that does seem to be the case of it's sort of by accident. Or so, the Bigfoot kind of lets you see him. Right, right. <laughs> or throws something... a rock at you, like, get out of my house. <laughs> right. Um, so you've got, you mentioned uh, the Washington conference coming up. Can you talk yeah. about that a little bit? And uh... Yeah. So that's exciting, you know. That that have you ever been out to Washington State before? I have not been any further west than um, New Orleans. Okay. So um, <laughs> so um, yeah, that'll be that'll be nice, and it, it looks like a um, a beautiful place. Um, so this is the International Bigfoot Conference. This is um in I think it's Kennewick, Washington, and uh, this is on September I think it's first uh, through third Labor Day weekend. Okay. And this is run by um, Russell Accord and his wife, uh, Kelly. Uh, this is their second annual event. Um, and the speaker lineup is amazing. Um, not because I'm in it necessarily. But <laughs> no, no. Don't be modest. Familiar, <laughs> um, who, for your listeners, that I'm sure everybody knows, but, you know, is, is kind of connected with the, the Lizard Man and the Fountain Monster. Uh, so Lyle will be there. Adam Davies will be there. Uh, which would be great. He's, you know, known for all these documentaries and appearances on television. Um, guy named Mark Marcel. I, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, this is really cool. He's, um, he's evidently gone out and, and done these, this research into these historical encounters with Bigfoots and, and all, um, where he actually found, in 2013, he actually found the actual cabin where the Ape Canyon events took place um so he's going to be i think bringing in some historical encounter some information about some historical bigfoot encounters so that should be really cool um the guy named derek randalls uh, that has the what's called the olympia project and looks like he's going to be talking about field research and that and you know all these different components which for somebody like me who, who tends to just read about this stuff um and theorize it's that's going to be interesting for me because it'll you know be able to hear about what they actually take with them what do you do when you're out there and and that kind of thing um then there's a guy named david ellis whose specialty is like audio recordings and analysis of those recordings and all and um so that's um like i said that is in on labor day in september this year so that's a really good lineup a really interesting group of people and um I was talking to, I just found out that actually I was speaking uh, yesterday, and so I talked to Russell, um, 
about it and all, and he was just telling me what was going to be on there, and it was just kind of blew me away. Um, he did say that there were two other, at least, special guests, uh, but I don't want to speak out of turn. I don't want to say anything that's not quite confirmed. Sure. But, um, but two um, potential really big names um, that would be great if they were there. So um, I put that teaser out there. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, keep, keep an eye on the website. It's a beautiful website for the, the conference, by the way, too. Uh, really well done. So, um, so that's coming up in September. I'll be doing that. Um, I mentioned Bill Lancaster a minute ago, Bill yeah. Co. Productions. He actually contacted me a couple weeks ago, and he asked me to appear in a documentary that he's working on that is looking at some of the people in the Bigfoot world, not just hunting Bigfoot or whatever. Um, but I think he's one of his uh, sort of focuses, foci, uh, is people you might not necessarily associate with Bigfoot, you know, like somebody like the Jeff Meldrums or the Bender Noggles that whose job is science or, or whatever, but who have sort of taken that step to um, sort of bravely assert their belief that something is out there, you know, mm-hmm. um, the sort of Grover Krantz's of the world. And um, anyway, so he, he got in touch with me about two or three weeks ago and asked me, if I wanted to be in that, you know, and I have to admit, I, in my, my bucket list of things, I've watched so many of these documentaries my whole life, <laughs> yeah. UFOs and Bigfoot and whatever, and I was always fascinated with the talking heads that they had oh, yeah. there, you know, where you have, um, you know, somebody commenting on what they think about it, you know, and I've always been fascinated with those personalities, uh, especially the ones that are recurrent, and then you see, like, oh, I've seen him before, you know, on the animal planet or something like that. And so this is, I get to check one of these things off of my uh, bucket list to be able to be in that documentary, so I'm excited about that. That's awesome. The little um, the little title will appear under your name. <laughs> Validation at last. Right? That's awesome, though. I mean, it's true. You, you watch these things, and in my case, you know, that goes back to, like, the first run of In Search Of, you know, and, and you see people on these shows and like Bigfoot investigator and researcher, and you think as a kid, you know, that'd be the ultimate thing to do with your life. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark Matsky, Bigfoot yeah. expert, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, it just looks cool. That's what this is all about, really. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's awesome. Now, what's a cool, uh, I like the angle of that. And I think some of my, well, you mentioned uh, Joe Gisandi's book before. I mean, some of my favorite reading on the subject really is about the people and the culture as much as it is the creature yeah, in question. I'm the, I, I agree. That's, that's um, one of, one of the things that I always did enjoy about these, you know, watching these kind of films. Um, Cause a lot of them um, can tend to just kind of repeat the same information over and over again. And so when you have one that really takes a different, uses a different take on the on the subject, um, like Bill wants to do. Um, I think it, it really brings, like, a fresh experience to it, you know, a fresh uh, way of doing it. So, so that's exciting, yeah. So you briefly touched on reports earlier. I was wondering if you have maybe not a single favorite, but one of your favorites. What would be a favorite report of yours? Uh, the stories related to... yeah. Bigfoot type like sightings and stuff. Mm-hmm. So the Albert Osman case has always been interesting to me um, because, and for those who are listening that don't know, uh, which is probably one percent of the <laughs> of the audience, because I'm sure everybody knows. But you know, he claimed that he was you know sleeping in a sleeping bag and a Bigfoot snatched him up and walked 20 miles with him or whatever and and sort of put him in this cage with his family you know and he's stuck there for a few days or however long it is and and just swore up and down you know his whole life that this actually happened to him and that that's such an interesting story on a lot of levels because you know typically if you know if somebody runs into a bigfoot the bigfoot either turns and runs away or slinks away like a ninja or they throw a rock at you like get out of here um, but rarely, you know, if an animal ever takes you into its den, it kill you and eat you. And the idea of of bringing Austin into this cave or den or whatever 
to sort of hang out with the family, you know, is again just kind of brings up that whole human component, or at least sentient, sentient um, component of of being aware enough of, hey, we're going to share our little space with you. Um, and I, I find that really interesting. Um, it's not so much an encounter or anything, but the, the shipman, is it shipman? The Cripplefoot um, pictures. Um, oh, well. You remember the guy's name? Yeah. The, okay. Are you talking about the Abominable Snowman? The Eric Shipton? Yeah. Yeah. Ship, yeah. The Yeti. That, um, I know it's not an encounter as much, but just that, that whole idea of the foot being abnormal in some way is, is just really interesting to me because it it demystifies the creature in a way because it makes it such a flesh and blood creature you know and gives this sort of aspect of being wounded or uh, crippled in some way that it makes it seem more vulnerable I guess um, as opposed to just something storming around you know the, the mountain range sure and, and you know there's the cripple foot the whole case that's out in Washington too, uh, that that might be one of the things you're thinking about as well. Yeah, uh, maybe so. I wonder. Yeah, and, and both cases, in, in the things you've mentioned so far, what's fascinating to me is that they were investigated by you know sort of the the major major classic names in the Bigfoot yeah. world. You know, John Green became very involved in the Osman case. And, uh, you know, Green again and Ivan Marks had a hand right. in uh, the Cripplefoot uh, Bossberg case. And uh, just I love hearing those cases. I love reading about them because of just the era that you're talking about. And Andy brought this up uh, maybe a show or two ago about, you know, there's just these seemingly random meetings between people like John Green and Ivan Sanderson and these right. guys bumping into Imagine, each other, Grover yeah, Krantz yeah, and, and so and forth. Yeah, exactly. Really cool. Exactly. I think the the two sort of periods that fascinate me the most are that, that old school um, period with, you know, in the early days with John Green and DeHinden and, and those guys. And then also that the 70s just seems to kind of take off in this weird, um, weird way with all these strange stories and this combination of, you know, Bigfoot coming out of a UFO or walking around with some glowing orb or whatever. Um, I don't know how much credence to lend that, but that stuff is really interesting to me because it's just so out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that to think of a, if I think of a creature flying a, a UFO, it's, it's not, it doesn't look like Bigfoot, you know, <laughs> right. Unless Bigfoot's just some, you know, lackey that does the heavy lifting or something. Like that. <laughs> right. But, uh, the grave, you know, because yeah. they look very, very solid. Exactly. <laughs> so. They need some muscle, you know, and <laughs> Bigfoot could provide that for them, no doubt. Yeah, but you're right, you know, and it begs the question, I guess, in my mind, because you're exactly right. Those eras are just are utterly interesting. And it makes me wonder, you know, 25, 30 years from now, what are people going to say about this era? You know, because... The 60s were the, the John Greens and the Rene de Hindens and these, you know, very, um, I guess, masculine models of research. And then the 70s is just high strangeness, like you said, this <laughs> stew of crazy and, and fascinating. What do you think they're going to say about this era that we're in? The, the fear that I have of this era is that it's... it's um credulity will be questioned because of the capacity of hoaxing uh. with cameras, you know, the, the ability to um, play around with images and digitally enhance stuff or, or you know, make something look like it's not. And it, it kind of threatens the, um, the integrity, I think, of the period, you know, um, because you know, if I see some, if I see something is posted that somebody says, you know, finally Bigfoot footage or whatever, my immediate thought is, I wonder how they made this, you know. Yeah. And even if it's really convincing looking, sometimes especially if it's convincing, okay, you know, I, I have to wonder, you know, did somebody toy with this in some way, or you know, is this complete, you know, utter lies? So that's that's <laughs> right. one yeah. fear I have of it, and it's it's interesting because I don't I don't know that. 
now, but the, you know, the people that I think get most frustrated with the whole hoaxing things are the people that are in, in the culture mm-hmm. in the first place. You know, people that don't care about it don't, you know, if they just don't have any interest in Bigfoot and all that stuff, I don't know that they care that people hoax or not. They might just assume that everything's a hoax. But, you know, it's, it's those of us who really would like to know and who care and, and want to figure things out. That, that kind of stuff just kind of complicates things, and it's it's a shame. So, um, I don't know. Hopefully, 20, 50 years from now, they can look back and, and think, you know, well, at least we had Sasquatch to <laughs> the truth. You know? Right. <laughs> the beacon so of... Um, source of information. There. Yeah, there you go. The shining beacon on a hill. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Why wasn't he doing more stuff? That's what we want to know. But what's really interesting is the the people that I work with who find out that you know I go to these conferences and I'm spoken and, and you know research this stuff have never made fun of it. They they're very interested and they they want to know what I think and and this type of thing. And I, I think it reveals that even people that that don't know about it. You know, everybody's heard about it. They might not care. Right. But if as soon as there's sort of a, a person that, not an expert, because I'm not an expert, but, you know, as soon as there's a, a an expert in the room, they want to know, you know, and it's it's been really, I don't know if gratifying is the right word, or maybe just um, relieving <laughs> yeah. that they're not making fun of me, uh, at least not in front of my face. <laughs> uh, but they seem genuinely interested in, well, what what are these conferences like, and what are you saying, and what do you believe, and, and that type of thing, and it's, that's kind of cool to see. So who knows? Maybe that that kind of um, interest. And respect, I was listening to um, Stan Gordon the other day. I love him. He's so yeah. awesome. Um, but an interview with him, and he was saying how, in, you know, back when he started, you know, in the early early days, you know, in the seventies, if you said you believed that there was UFOs or there was a Bigfoot, people would laugh at you. Whereas these days, it's less. You know, it's more probably like. Oh well, that's kind of interesting. I'm not really into that, but whatever works for you, you know. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's less of a stigma I think attached to it, maybe, um, of you know you're insane, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> you're seeing things. Um, so so who knows? Sure. Yeah, I think there's definitely a openness towards people, you know, like us <laughs> who are interested and yeah. in, you know genuinely interested, and um, there's less of a tendency to just. To, to mock that in an outright way, although oh, you know, really good. I no, no, it's I just we one of the things we've started doing is paying more attention to what you know news reports about Bigfoot mainstream media quote unquote has to say on the subject, and it's always couched in these funny terms. Even if the report is serious, like the one we were looking at uh, just for this episode, actually. You know, the outro of this news report that was fairly straightforward is like a picture of Harry from Harry and the Sandersons looking through the (laughs) windshield window and like a fan art picture of Bigfoot and this like honky tonk music, piano music, like like Scott Joplin rag. Yeah, like a ragtime deal. And it just it signals, you know, that um, two things, you know, some people take this seriously but the the message underneath it all is um, we don't think that you need to, you know, and almost so that there is still that there. It still exists. Right. It's an effect, but maybe not so much as it used to be. And well, just as an example, we have a um, we have a neighborhood Facebook page, and people you know will sell stuff or say you know anybody got some milk I can borrow until tomorrow, or you know something like that. And um, one of the guys in our neighborhood actually posted, you know, I just moved to the neighborhood. I'm, a, I'm into ghost hunting and the paranormal and stuff. If anybody's got any interesting stories, just let me know. And I thought, how cool is it that you can actually broadcast that in your neighborhood? I don't know what anybody else called it. I thought he was a week. <laughs> well, I'm glad I got it to live next door to me. But, <laughs> you know, I don't. But I thought that was cool that he could post that, you know, and, and be looking for, you know, stories and having to do with that stuff. And um, evidently without fear of being run out of the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, so no it's doubt. It's kind of cool, yeah. So what has kept you interested in the subject? So when I first, I, you know, I grew up 
see it watching these videos or, or documentaries and all. And it was just interesting, the idea that there was some kind of monster out there and just monsters in general are fun, you know, when you're younger or whatever. And then as I started to research it and then I started to yield all this fruit of, you know, this thing's been around for forever, you know, and it's in all these different stories and all. And so that was very gratifying. If anybody would maybe ask you a question, how would they go about doing that? I don't have a website. I need to make one. Um, my email is davidsloydphd at gmail.com. And just for the record, I would never throw the PhD in there. My wife sent my account, and she was proud of me. Oh, okay. Put the PhD in there, and I was like, that looks so pretentious. But she was, she was proud of her husband, so that's why that's there. So that was our interview with Dr. David Floyd, um, a great Sasquatch guest. I really love his viewpoint on the whole subject and just on his historical standpoint and just if you ever get a chance I hope he does more conferences so more people can hear him but if you ever get the chance to hear him in person it's amazing his talk and this really was like a really condensed version of one of his talks because he he really does his the way he does historical reports is amazing so I hope if he does more research on the subject, that he will make it public so more and more people can hear him. If you'd like to reach us here at the show, there's a variety of ways of doing that. You can write us at the email address, sasswitmail at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, at sasswitshow. Oh, our Facebook page is where it all goes down generally speaking, and uh, we welcome any and all feedback that you'd like to give us. Um, I think that's about it. So, for Seth Breedlove and Small Town Monsters, for Dr. David Floyd, and for all those who are on the track of Bigfoot, this is Mark and Andy Matsky. Enjoy the quest.